Now we sound like we've been doing this longer than yeah. a week. Yeah. Welcome to Muggles Perspective. If you haven't noticed yet, it's pretty much a show where uh, Braden mocks my podcast hosting skills. Sort of, <laughs> sort of the premise of the show. All right. In case you're new here, it's kind of what we're all Welcome. about. Welcome. Welcome, newcomer. Uh, I'm Rogie. This is Braden. Um, he knows everything about podcasts. He's like always done them. Uh, grew up doing them as a little kid, and yeah. I am just like, what is that? Where you listen? Is there Bill Simmons or Joe Rogan? I don't know. And yeah. so he's like teaching me about it. Yep. Grew up in the family business. My pop, my pops did podcasting. Uh, my grandpops did podcasting. We called him Grandpod. <laughs> um, yeah, the grandpotter. Yeah. So just a, you know, family biz. Raised up in it, and um, here we are today. Me just coaching Rogi through this resemblance of a podcast. And fortunately, we're just recording. Like I'm paying Braden to do this to teach me, so no one's going to hear it. Which is, and let me tell you, folks, not enough. Not enough. Don't quit your day job, kids. <laughs> this week we're going to be uh, talking about Harry Potter podcasts. It's a, a section of the podcasting industry. I read Chronicles of Narnia this week. Ooh, yikes. Which chapters? You didn't tell me. All of them. That's impressive. I did actually read um, The Magician's Nephew and The Chronicles of Narnia. Or, uh, <laughs> the Magician's Nephew and Et The Lion, Witch, and The Wardrobe. <laughs> Just, you know, kind of read all of them. All the pages. My all favorite the were The Chronicles, but Narnia was good too. <laughs> Which was your favorite Chronicle? Oh, that's like the scene in The Office where Jim is doing like an Irish accent about Angela's ashes. They're like, Jim, what was your favorite part? He's like, oh, Angela and the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I did uh, I did recently um, use my free Audible trial mm-hmm. um, to get the entire box set of The Chronicles of Narnia. It's like 34 hours of content. Read by Jim Dale. Um, somebody like that. It was probably Jim Dale. Jim Dale or GTFO, honestly. <laughs> if it's not Jim Dale, it's not my problem. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the other the other book I got um was actually this this book, Deathly House. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ugh, I'm so tired of reading. It has helped a ton. You got the Jim Dale version, right? I got the Jim Dale version. Yeah. Good. And we can still I saw all the other versions and I just said GTFO. <laughs> I thought it was going to be tough for the episode title tonight to not be Save It for the Biscuit, but <laughs> Jim Dale or GTFO is coming in hot. It's all coming organically, you know, as they say in the podcast business. <laughs> they say they say that all the time. Coming organically is just one of the most commonly f- Use phrases that you'll hear among podcasters, professional and amateur alike. Yeah. I did I did my homework this week, Braden. I read Good. The podcasting book. Good. Uh we did we did chapters nine through eleven of um 
this podcasting textbook. So if you're following along with us, it's called Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. Is that okay? Is that should that is that how we should do it? Is that a good format? I don't teach me. Should I ask you questions or? Yeah, I think we could start there. See what comes of it organically. So the que- should the questions just be like really broad? Like, what did you think of these chapters? Is that good or? Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're on the right track. Just generally ask me like, you know, okay, Braden, thoughts. That that goes well. With an implied question mark at the end. Yeah. So like thoughts. I'm sorry. I, I wrote down some like more specific questions. I hope that's okay. Well, we're here now. So yeah. what, what I mean, what are we going to do? We'll just have to jump into it. Content is content. Um, so my first question here, we're reading chapter nine, a place to hide. Upon arriving in the middle of a muggle street, how worried are you immediately? Take me back. Um, we are, we were left at a wedding that was being crashed by Death Eaters. That's correct. And, um, so that has you pretty worried. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I believe there was a Patronus from Kingsley Shacklebolt saying that the ministry had been taken over, had mm-hmm. been compromised. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's the tension is high here. Not sure where we go from here. It doesn't seem like we really have any legitimate hiding places. Right. Um, Why are we just on a, on a Muggle street? Um, because that's probably the probably getting into areas outside of magic and trying to blend in with Muggles is the best chance you have at actually hiding right now, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're on a Muggle Street. We're on uh, Tottenham, Tottenham, uh, the lane or road. I just remember because of the the team, soccer, Tottenham Hotspur, Tottenham Court Road. There you go. Yeah. If you were like gun to my head, was to say what my favorite Premier League team is, I would have to say Tottenham. Just just because it's the Harry Potter reference. I would say I support Tottenham. Mm -hmm. I'm a Harry Kane guy. Yeah, I know who that is. He plays in the English national team. Yeah, he's good. So, and their their coach, I believe their coach is Jose Mourinho, right? He used to coach for a different team, one of the Spanish teams. He did. He did. He's bounced around to a quite a few. He was with Man United before Tottenham, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Short that sounds stint. right. That sounds right. Is he a short guy? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um. So at this point. Hermione is like, don't worry, guys. I have all your stuff. I packed your most valuable possessions just in case when I went to this wedding. Can we yeah. still be amazed? Is Hermione capable of amazing us still? It gets harder and harder the longest, longer this series goes on. It's also kind of like, when when was she rifling through all their things? Yeah, like, I think it was last chapter. She said something about, like, waiting for Ron's underwear to come out of the dryer and... Like his yeah. old jeans. Yeah, what are what's what's going on there? <laughs> are we at that point in the friendship? Yeah, I mean like if you can't trust your closest female friends with your dirty underwear, like who can you trust with it? I don't know how to argue against that. 
<laughs> um, she's got that beaded bag. Do we care about the beaded bag? That seems like that could be a really valuable asset moving forward. Um, maybe a great place to keep our invisibility cloak. I thought you were going to say so naturally. We'll just leave it anywhere. <laughs> well, that's that's what will happen. Is we'll just set it down next to the invisibility cloak on like a random table in a restaurant. Well, worst case scenario, you set it down under the invisibility cloak. Now you can't find that, it. It's really bad. <laughs> I hadn't considered that. <laughs> that is worst case scenario. I lost all my stuff under my one other stuff. And now all of said stuff is invisible. <laughs> Accio stuff. Items. <laughs> so we're walking along. Uh, we get catcalled by some drunken Brits, as one does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just for like reference here, how old? How old are Harry, Ron, and Hermione? I th- since Harry specifically just, Hermione, <laughs> they're all seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. So like, hmm. I mean, it's not great. Yeah, not as gross as what I had in my head, I guess, yeah, with right. these guys, but but right. still not great. No. Yeah. And they're drunk. Still not legal. No, I don't know what the how it works over there, but yeah. Agreed. Oh, hey guys. George is here. Hey buddy. George had some things to say. Rachel had some boxes to look in. Just gotta make sure I get my scissors. You want these? George, don't lick my plate. Come on, man. We're leaving all of this in, obviously, Jeremy. Oh, you got your scissors? You're good? Are you sure? You don't want to hang out? She said hi, Brayden. Brayden wasn't watching. I waved. Okay. I wasn't watching you watching her. Okay, and we're back. Three, two, one. We are in a cafe. One of my favorite things is they order two cappuccinos and Ron t- drinks his. He's like, ugh, gross. What is this? <laughs> um, how, how did they find them? How did... <laughs> what? <laughs> how did they find them? Who found who? Them. Them. They. Mm-hmm. Those people. There, how, how did the Death Eaters there's find There's two Death Eaters, them? and they just showed up in the same cafe. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't actually remember how they find them. It's, it's not explained. I'm asking you how you think they found them. Um, I think they found them. Well, first of all, how did they get to this cafe? Did they just like literally, did they walk? (laughs) Yes. They take a cab. They apparate to Tottenham Court Road and then start walking until they find an alley in which Ron can change. And then they walk until they find a cafe in which Ron can complain about the cappuccino so there's got to be some kind of like 
curse or spell or something on Harry, Ron, or Hermione that's almost acting as like a tracking spell. Sure. Why not, um, you know? Because I don't really know how else they could know. Like, because when you can't apparate to the same place someone else is unless you're like holding on to them, right? Right. There's no way to know. Yeah. It's so, in, it's incalculable. Indubitably. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, so magic's got to be involved. There's got to be some kind of tracking spell. Curse. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, they end up deciding to go to Grimald Place. Was this an obvious choice for you? Like, why hadn't they gone there sooner? Um... I don't know if it was an obvious choice because I don't think there are obvious choices anymore. Yeah. I mean, they're clearly being watched wherever they go. And uh, at this point, I guess they're, like just familiarity kicks in. Like, we know how to be here and we know that it's it was safe at one time. So, I mean, you, you know, you probably don't have a lot of familiar options at this point, especially like in London. I guess so. you can just like break into someone's house, like a random. But I mean, that's got its downsides. Maybe you go try to find where the Dursleys are at. Hey, I know that you thought that <laughs> you were leaving us forever. We just need to hang out for just a little bit. This is Hermione. You'll like her. She's pretty normal. This is Ron. You'll need to buy double at the grocery store yeah. while he's here. Can you imagine Harry just going and go and Ron and Dudley are like shoveling cake <laughs> into their face like on an anime, like how they can eat ramen really fast and just like rice. <laughs> rice is just flying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine Harry knocking on their door and uh, Mr. Dursley walking over to the door and just opening it and Harry's just kind of got the slow Hello. Hey. hey! Long time no see there, Unky. Uncle Vernon, my favorite. Your 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 mustache is looking just great today. If uh, it's very mustache, if I do it's, say so myself, it's so mustache. So we're at the end of a grim old place. Um, the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on here in this chapter um, is Harry has a little bit of a scar vision mm-hmm. situation um, in which yeah. he sees Voldemort kind of torturing those Death Eaters that they'd fought earlier, I guess. Um, where do you see this whole scar pain slash vision thing going? I'm thinking specifically about Ron kind of flips out at Harry. Like, what'd you see? Tell me what you saw. Like, did you see my parents? Is my family okay? And Harry's like, I can't. This isn't, it's not a TV that I can just tune in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you foresee there being any friction with that going forward? Yeah, because I think that uh, at some point, like it, I think it starts to set some expectation and like a, a hopefulness from people who are trying to figure out where Voldemort's at, what he's doing that like, you know, it, it is being viewed as kind of like a Harry's connected to Voldemort in a way that none yeah. of us, none, none of us can be. 
And like you said, it's not like voluntary. It's yeah. not like a decision he makes. So like, wonder where he's at and like tunes in, um, like psych. Yeah. Um, so I could see where it could, you know, the pressure could mount up and, um, especially from some of the other folks in the order, like Lupin or, you know, people who are trying to help, um, because, I mean, Harry's always just pulled out random stuff that no one else can do before. And so it's not crazy for them to just expect, like, oh, here's the here's the weird Harry thing he's going to do this book, Miles Beneath the School. Yeah, but I wonder, too, like, as Voldemort gains power and um, kind of the anger like Voldemort's anger gets more intense over time as he's like getting that close to killing Harry and, and losing him again. Mm -hmm. If like that pain at some point is going to become unbearable. Like, I I don't know the way it was written in this chapter. I feel like it's the worst it's ever been Mm -hmm. where he has to like go into the bathroom and basically collapses. Yeah. You know, like I feel like in previous books it was like, you know, it was painful. It was burning. It definitely got his attention, stopped him in his tracks. But like, it's almost incapacitating at this point. Right. And so that could be, um, and I can't remember, does Voldemort know that this happens with Harry? I mean, it doesn't, it's unclear to us at this point. Does it seem like Voldemort's trying to trick Harry with anything that Harry sees him saying these days? Like he did that one time. He didn't use it for a whole book. Yeah. I don't think he's trying to trick him just yet, but I feel like that could be a really useful tactic on his end. Um, one, to trick him, but two, to... Like, Harry can't function when this stuff happens. Oh, use it as a weapon. Yeah. I mean, I think the implication is that Harry is a lot of what Harry's doing is feeling when Voldemort is having a really strong emotion. Right. And I doubt that he can fake that. You know what I mean? Right. To use it against Harry. Like if he's that mad, he probably really is that mad. Right. So what I'm getting at is if, if they, when, if, and when they finally face off Mm -hmm. and Voldemort's anger comes to like, it's pinnacle, Mm -hmm. right? Like, is that going to, you know, send that scar into just like, unimaginable pain to where you know he can't even do anything yeah and it's the kind of weapon that Harry has no counter for right it doesn't seem like that's how it will you know end like that would be a really crummy ending to this story if like and then they faced off and Voldemort got really really mad and Harry just like had the worst headache you could imagine that'd be like if Joe like just let a third grader write the last chapter. Just go yeah. for it, dude. You got it. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. It is a concern in between now and when they finally meet. Um, I don't know how, like how much worse it's going to get for Harry to endure these visions and how much, like how long that, Pain is going to linger. Um, and if Voldemort figures out that Harry can can tap into that, like, how does he use it? 
Yeah, that's interesting if he can, like, intentionally summon those emotions to try to, like, like you said, incapacitate Harry or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. A couple do we cares here. Do we care about the fact that we just destroyed a cafe in the middle of Muggle London? Do we care about the waitress? Yeah, I'm wondering how, if there would be any kind of evidence, like, you know, obviously the cops are going to show up when there's a, something like that going on in a public place. Yeah. But how would you even be able to tell what happened? <laughs> yeah, like you, so, you knew what the results were, but yeah, you can't really so, walk through it step by step. Probably not that worried because it's like, you know, what's the waitress going to say? Well, there was these men in cloaks and then there was these three kids and they started pointing at each other and colors started flying mm-hmm. and tables started flipping. And then I dropped and then more acid because <laughs> I was stressed. And then you there I it. was standing right next to Jimi Hendrix and yeah. he was playing the Star Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. And then I w- was Jimi Hendrix somehow. It's not clear. And then next to me, once I was Jimmy, was Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Neutron. Jimmy Neutron. Is this crazy meeting of Jimmy's. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Elsner. Jimmy's like sprinkles that you put on your ice cream. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, there you go. Jimmy Johnson, also the race car driver. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Jimmer Fredette. Uh, Jimmy from Hoosiers. Chitwood. <laughs> they were all there. <laughs> they they showed up the at that the pace. The cloaks just disappeared. <laughs> Okay, uh, do we care about Malfoy? Do we care about Malfoy? Not the first time Malfoy has made it into a do we care section, I'm sure. Yeah, I think we do because of the horror on his face that Harry describes when Voldemort's forcing him to torture another human. Um, because you start to wonder if Malfoy will be... If you'll be able to use him in the end like that he's showing that weakness right like he as as evil as we think malfoy is he's not on voldemort's level Mm -hmm. and so you know will there be a point in the end where malfoy is tasked with like aiding in the killing of harry and he like he just can't do it right right no i mean that makes sense because Voldemort underestimates, like, the basic level of human decency that some people have. I mean, he and Bellatrix don't seem to. Right. But, I mean, like, a classic sociopath think, move would be to assume everyone else is a sociopath. I think the people that have been with Voldemort for the longest are the ones who have become the most calloused. Yeah, absolutely. So Draco's I think Draco's, a kid. Yeah, Draco's young enough to where he still has... Um, emotion and empathy and or you know some shrivel of it and yeah um 
you know, like it, <laughs> people like to think that in, you know, in certain situations you could, you could do that to another human if you had to. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think we're designed to do that to each other. So it's like, it stops you in your tracks and, um, there's no way you can just do that and not think about it at least. And, you know, early, you know, if you've, if you're, if you're Lucius and you've been, you've been thinking that way and, you know, obeying those commands for that long, like you're just kind of callous to it, I'm sure. But yeah, Dumbledore has a similar conversation with Draco to that at the end of the sixth book where Draco's like, no, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, really? Are you like, yeah. Murdering yeah. is not, it's not just like snap your fingers and I murdered someone Draco. Right. And you don't, don't just move on from it. Yeah. Like it's not like, all right, he's out of the way on to mm-hmm. the next one. You know, at least at, at, you know, at the stage of life, Draco's in and, um, and I think that that can be, that's a good thing moving forward that Draco does have this like shock factor going on when he's told to do things by Voldemort. Um, that could be really helpful in yeah, the end. He's not totally lost. Yes. Yeah. Which is weird because this is the first time in the entire time we've been reading Harry Potter that I've been like, I don't like Draco and I don't want necessarily the best for Draco, but I don't hate him like I did. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, I think it's written in a way that it's like, you can almost feel bad for him. Like you can almost step back and say, he doesn't know what he got himself into. He has no idea. He was. He's, a, he's still. He's a kid. He was trying to, you know, make his dad proud of him and right. do what he right. thought he was supposed to do. And you would have never thought that you'd be in this place in like the third book. You'd be like, "Oh, that freaking idiot! Stab him in the face!" Right, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, and clearly this never did sit in with Mitchell because um, he he's read all the books when we had him on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, Talk about a sociopath. I don't know. I, you know, and maybe maybe in the end, Draco becomes who his dad wanted him to be and ends up, like, killing Ron or Hermione or something, and that's why Mitch said that. Gotcha. Maybe I'll get back to that place of sure. hating Draco. I don't know. Uh, chapter 10, Creature's Tale. Uh, we've got a couple... The chapter is broken down to a couple kind of sections, which I think is fun. Um, in the mm-hmm. beginning, we've got to do our weekly check-in on how do we feel about how Harry feels about Dumbledore. That um, is a roller coaster yeah. through this book. On page 177, um, Harry asks a question that I thought would be good to ask you. Because um, Harry's thinking about Godric's Hollow. You know, you've got Dumbledore's buried there. You've got um, Potter's buried there. And Harry says, why hadn't Dumbledore told him? Why hadn't he explained? Had Dumbledore actually cared about Harry at all? Or had Harry been nothing more than a tool to be polished and honed, but not trusted, never confided in? So why didn't Dumbledore tell Harry? And he's asking why Dumbledore didn't tell him about his family? About the fact that they both had, like, they both experienced familial tragedy in Godric's Hollow about anything about himself to like help Harry understand him better. Well, I think 
that Dumbledore didn't tell him Gosh, I I don't know. I really don't know. Because that seems like... I mean, Dumbledore didn't strike me as someone who really cared at the end of the day who like what people thought of him. I mean, people generally thought highly of him because of the type of guy he was. But I guess I would have thought that... Dumbledore would have enough foresight to see that in his passing, a lot of these questions would come up and a lot of these rumors would come up and that Mm -hmm. he would want, he would have wanted Harry to have the full backstory coming straight from the source. So it's, it's pretty understandable why Harry would be tormented by these questions. And I'm trying to like on the fly here process why Dumbledore would not have shared any of this, especially the piece of like losing family in the same place. Do you think there's an argument to be made that Dumbledore was just sincerely too busy? Like whenever he was meeting with Harry, he was like, okay, so like this is how you don't die tomorrow. We have to talk about Voldemort's past. This is what a Horcrux is. Yes, but those are the conversations we read in the text. There's so much time in between. It's just like class days. You Off know? page, yeah. He could write Harry letters. He could have like composed like a private memoir and given it just to Harry That's, that explains stuff and give it to him upon his death. And maybe he does. What's the What did we read last time that he left them? He left Ron a deluminator. He left Hermione a book of children's stories written in ancient runes. He left Harry a snitch and the sword of Gryffindor. And we think that something's inside the snitch, right? Yeah. It's not me that knows what we think. It's you. What do you think? Everyone, like Harry and Hermione think, and Ron think something's inside the snitch. Like a memoir. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Trying to understand why Dumbledore is the way he is, is like, I don't think he's written to be an understood character. Yeah. He's not very humanized. Yeah. It's almost like, uh, he's almost like a godly figure in this mm-hmm. story, right? Like, mm-hmm. There's just some things about him that just like we're not meant to understand. Yeah, he's like confusingly omniscient. Yeah. And like even even with all this doubt and rumor, I feel like I'm still inclined to believe that he has a purpose in not telling Harry that stuff. Like oh, he probably like I don't maybe he wanted like he needs Harry to get to Godric's Hollow and he didn't know how else to You know, like Godric's Hollow is like, what? Because that's where Harry's parents were killed, correct? Correct. And so that's not like a place that Harry would probably want to go back to. Or has he said in the past that he would? Harry? 
Yeah. Harry, I mean, he brings up in this chapter to Hermione that he wants to go back. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to spitball reasons why he wouldn't relate to Harry sure. on that level. And I'm coming up blank. Yeah, I mean, you'd think it'd be useful, but maybe we'll find something out. Um, a couple of pages later, Harry discovers what's a kind of a, a sweet letter that was written by his mom originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know if you had thoughts on this. What What does it mean? Did you Could you parse any meaning, deeper meaning from the letter like Harry was trying to? How is it significant, I guess? Um, if if it is significant. Page 180. Yeah. I, would, I mean, it's got to be significant. I mean, and it goes without saying that it's significant to Harry as a memento. Right. Dear Padfoot, thank you. Thank you for Harry's birthday present. It was his favorite by far. One year old and already zooming along on a toy broomstick. He looked at, he looked so pleased with himself. I'm enclosing a picture so you can see. You know, it only rises about two feet off the ground, but he nearly killed the cat and he smashed a horrible vase. Petunia sent me for Christmas. No complaints there. Of course, James thought it was so funny. Says he's going to be a great Quidditch player, but we've had to pack away all the ornaments and make sure we don't take our eyes off him when he gets going. We had a very quiet birthday tea, just us and old Bathilda, Bathilda, however you say that, who has always been sweet to us and who dotes on Harry. We were so sorry you couldn't come, but the orders got to come first, and Harry's not old enough to know it's his birthday anyway. James is getting a bit frustrated. Shut up here. He tries not to show it, but I can tell. Also, Dumbledore still got his invisibility cloak, so no chance of little excursions. If you could visit, it would cheer him up so much. Wormy was here last weekend. I thought he seemed down, but that was probably the news about the McKinnons. I cried all evening when I heard. Matilda drops in most days. She's a fascinating old thing with the most amazing stories about Dumbledore. I'm not sure he'd be pleased if he knew. I don't know how much to believe, actually, but it seems incredible that Dumbledore... That Dumbledore what? That's where it cuts off. But dump That Dumbledore What? It's a terrible place to stop reading, Harry. Or that's just the where the, the, the letter's ripped. Is that where? Right. So then Harry is looking for the other half. That was my next question. Where is it? Where's the other page? Dumbledore took it. Dumbledore took it. Dumbledore was there. He can get in for sure. Mm-hmm. Why? Why'd he take it? He knew Harry would come back here eventually and find it, and he's trying to protect his reputation. Oh, it's, it goes along with why he didn't tell Harry about such and such connection between them, as he wants to. He's trying to keep that going. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting the piece about Wormy being sad mm-hmm. or being down. Um, he's probably, probably, I don't know how this lines up timeline wise, but maybe had just become a traitor and was getting ready to let Voldemort know where they were. 
I mean, that Harry makes that exact supposition. He's like, maybe this Wormtail realized this was the last time he'd see them alive. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and so Bagshot drops in most days with amazing stories about Dumbledore, and she's not sure he'd be pleased if he knew. And I don't know how much to believe, actually, because it seems incredible that Dumbledore... I don't read that with like a negative tone. Was like, I can't believe Dumbledore's actually a Death Eater. Can't believe Dumbledore is four inches shorter than he's been telling people this whole time. I can't believe Dumbledore's beard is fake. <laughs> I can't believe Dumbledore can dunk. <laughs> can't believe Dumbledore was uh, recruited by Coach K at Duke. Couldn't you see... Dr. J turning into Dumbledore? Like, just the yeah. lankiness? Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see Dr. I can totally see Dumbledore as, like, an old ABA character. Yeah. Like. Something out of uh, old school? Yeah. He's, like, a character from NBA Street Volume 2. He should be. Yeah. Stretch Armstrong or whatever. Yeah. The wizard. Yeah. Um, and then this chapter is called Creature's Tale, so that's sort of my next my next question. Um, what's the lead up? How does Creature become significant, as you recall? Why did Harry think, oh, let's get Creature in here to tell a tale? Um, creature would have known... Because we're in Grimmauld Place and Creature... Well, so they see... they see um, As they're headed back downstairs, they see on the, the door... Um, R.A.B., basically, is what they figured out. Regulus Arcturus Black. Do you think that yep. is R.A.B. from the... Oh, I guess... I guess at this point you've read... Yeah. The next two chapters, so... Yeah, so Creature's been in this house the longest. He's seen the comings and the goings. Um, so he would hopefully have some insider information. And then they all of a sudden kind of, it all it hits Hermione and then Harry and then Ron kind of in that order that they actually were probably holding the locket that they needed. Yeah. That was the, the one that was swapped out. Yep. Tough stuff. So, they know the creature would have taken that. This is a, I don't know, this is an interesting chapter or group of chapters where two of the characters that we've hated probably the most through the mm -hmm. whole book, mm -hmm. we end up having like a small amount of sympathy for. Yeah, that's was one of my questions here was, can creature be redeemed in your mind? Yeah, I think so, because when you look at it from Hermione's perspective of... Like the, I mean, these house elves are just—they live to serve their master. So if their master's evil, if they're, you know, if their master is 
a, like a bloodthirsty racist evil witch or wizard hypothetically <laughs> like it doesn't excuse that kind of wrongdoing but it also gives you you're able to see how like those like the the house elves are wired and built to obey every command they don't know how to do anything else fine dining and breathing yeah and they are they thrive on and the most important thing to them is loyalty and so especially when that's built over time and if the and if said evil people are treating them with some kind of kindness Mm mm-hmm like that loyalty runs deep over a long period of time. And so, yeah, I think it, that kindness factor is really interesting because my guy Dobby was raised by the Malfoys. I mean, talk about evil, you know, unkind people, but they weren't even a little nice to Dobby. Like it would, it seems like given what happens to creature, it shouldn't have been that hard for them to get him to be, you know, racist like creature too, but instead Dobby goes the other way and is like, no, I'm pro Harry Potter because of, I can see that you guys are jerks to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the question of like free will within the elves. So nature versus nurture. Yep. That doesn't really make sense. Come on. Don't give me that. It sounded good. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Just, I'm always just checking to see if you're paying attention. Earlier I said fine dining and breathing. Just a SpongeBob quote. Just tossed it in there. I I didn't catch that. Yeah. I should have. I'm a SpongeBob guy. You go, yeah. <laughs> and just kept talking. I was like, <laughs> he got it. He got it. The listeners got it. Chad got it. Definitely. Um so here what are my questions? How does Creature's story change your perception of him? We already sort of talked about that. What about of Regulus? Because I know you'd thought a lot about Regulus Black. <laughs> I had not. Um, so I'm, I'm understanding it correctly that at the end of his life, he defected from the Death Eaters and was trying to like basically sacrifice himself for the good of the, the Order as kind of a paying reparations, I guess, trying to make things right. Yeah, the implication is that when Creature got back and told him the story of what had happened on the lake, that was so, what Voldemort had done to Creature was so reprehensible to him was that that was the event that opened his eyes. Because he must have had, you know, some kind of emotional connection to Creature. I mean, it's a guy he grew up with. Um, right. And he's not a muggle. I mean, there's no reason to be cruel to him just because he's a house elf. But Voldemort made him drink that potion and, all, and left him to die and all that stuff. So it seems like that's kind of was the moment that he was radicalized. And mm-hmm. so he, need, he knew he needed to put the fake Horcrux back in so Voldemort would never notice. Yeah. Yeah, I think it seems like though to if if I may beef. Yeah, please. If I may, please. Beef. That didn't work great. Um, do you want to do it again? No. Okay. He 
he gets a different locket, puts a note in mm-hmm. it that says this isn't the real locket. Mm-hmm. Voldemort would have known just by looking at it it wasn't the real locket. Mm-hmm. He goes to the lake and goes all the way in and drinks the potion so he can put it in there, right? Yeah. Well, he drinks the potion so that he can get he can get the real locket. I guess. And then he puts the fake and then he has creature put the fake locket into the basin. I was going to say why doesn't he why doesn't he just like nail it to the door of the cave? And he's like, "Hey, if anybody shows up, just FYI, this isn't the real locket, so don't bother going in and drinking the potion to get the fake one." You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So cuz he indirectly caused Dumbledore's death by forcing them to go all the way through that process. Oh, yeah, you're right. To get a fake locket. And you're not really doing yourself any real favors because Voldemort would have known. Voldemort doesn't have to drink the potion. He he walks in, he takes one look, he knows it's the wrong locket. So you're only hurting the good guys. Yeah. I had not thought for, thought about it that way. Well, it's the first time I thought of it. So even in his, like, quote, sacrifice, like, he kind of screwed him over. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was... I don't mean to delegitimize his sacrifice because it was, I mean, he had to go and drink the potion to get the real locket out. And that's, that's what the big thing is drinking that terrible potion and then trying to drink the water and then the fury get you. But it's just that he gave the wrong instructions to creature. It shouldn't be leave this fake locket in there. It should be take this fake locket back to the door and stick it on there. And that'll be the clue for Dumbledore or whoever comes around figuring out about Horcruxes. You know what I'm saying? I guess, wouldn't that be like presumably Dumbledore or uh, Voldemort would return to this place, right? Once he finds out that Regulus mm-hmm. is is missing, and so he would have found that locket, the fake one, and one either made another Horcrux, sure, or two, just takes it with him. You know, no harm, no foul, I guess. But then Dumbledore doesn't know that it's gone. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is whether if Dumble if Voldemort goes to check on it, whether it's nailed to the door or it's out in the it's in the potion, he's gonna know it's the fake one. He's the good dude that made it in the first place. So all you're doing is costing Voldemort an extra four minutes to glide back across that lake and look into the basin. Whereas you could be saving someone like Dumbledore having to actually drink it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause it's also kind of just curious that like, why, why did he give it to creature to destroy? Well, he knew the creature could escape because he'd already done it before. And so, he he must have just known that he was going to die as a result of trying to get this locket. Okay. And so it's like, I can bring you with me so that I know the locket will get out and then hopefully you being an elf can destroy it because you've got like special elf powers or whatever. Huh. 
and the whole thing is that Voldemort but I, Voldemort wouldn't have assumed that he would have like a real connection with creature. He thought he was just like he's Voldemort. He doesn't think people will love things. So he didn't know that Regulus had turned against him due to how he treated creature because that's not how he thinks people's minds work. So he never right. suspected it. I guess what I where I end up is if Regulus was truly trying to help the cause. Mm-hmm. How do you not just tell Creature to take it straight to Dumbledore? Oh, that's true. That's good. Um, like, I mean, because to if your you, point... If you're thinking it through, that's the move. Yeah, because, I mean, to your point, like, regardless of your sacrifice, whoever is coming to find the fake locket is now going to risk their lives. Mm-hmm. Unless they happen to bring an elf. Right. Yeah, or a bare minimum, you know, leave some kind of clue that like, hey, you're going to need Dobby. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you Must know. be this short to ride the roller coaster. Right. That's so true. Think about how much sooner Dumbledore could have been on a Horcrux hunt if Regulus had just like written him a letter instead of sticking it in the locket. That's what I mean. Like, I don't. Are we a hundred percent certain that Regulus truly was like fully on board? I mean, I'm not saying he stopped being racist. Yeah. He. All we know, or all we're led to believe, is that he saw how creature was treated. He wrote that note, and I mean, he's in favor of, of Voldemort dying. If for nothing sure. else than how he treated creature, so I mean that's all we can really know about his motivation. Yeah, just seems like his plan wasn't real well thought out. I appreciate the sacrifice; it's noble. Yeah, I mean, I think he was like eighteen. Regulus. Yeah, I think this is like right around when he graduated Hogwarts. He was real young. Oh, here I have it pictured in my head that he's like. In his fifties or something. Here, let me let me Google it. When at what age did Regulus Black die? He was definitely young. If he was in his fifties, he'd still be alive. Hmm. He was killed in nineteen seventy nine. After acquiring the locket. Yeah, he was eighteen. Wow. Okay. I had not put that timeline together. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, we sort of touched on my other questions about creature being redeemable, how this makes us look at elves in general. Yeah. A um, couple little do we cares. Do we care about like the posters and stuff in Sirius's room? um no but it added some some comic relief i guess a little bit of levity yeah um do we care about dumbledore having harry's dad's invisibility cloak according to that note yes because What would he, I don't know, what would he have been doing with it while he had it? And, 
cloaking? Yeah, just cloaking around. I don't know. It just doesn't help the rumor mill as far as the mysterious life of Dumbledore, the the pieces of his life that we don't know about yet. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be going to great lengths to conceal whatever from Harry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Um, last one. Do we care about Hermione seeming to not want to go to Godric's Hollow, or Hermione seems to th- seems to think it's a bad idea? Sort of pushes Harry away from it. Does that make you think we definitely are, or definitely are not going there? I think we definitely are. I think at this point, that letter from his mom that I think that sent him over the edge. Harry, I mean. Yeah. He's, he's like, he can't resist. Yeah, he's like, we're going. Okay, fair enough. Uh, chapter 11, The Bribe. Um, an interestingly titled chapter. Because it's certainly yeah. not what the majority of the chapter is about. Yeah. I think we can agree. Um, this is the chapter where Lupin shows up. Yes. So Lupin pops by. Um, what What is it that Lupin said that surprised you or had the biggest impact on you in terms of like his news about what's been happening in the wizarding world? So you're you're excluding the pregnancy news. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm trying to remember what all he informed us of. Yeah, I'll try to I'll try to run you through it a little bit. Um, so the ministry's fallen, which means that pretty much anyone that work a lot of the ministry are Death Eaters now because Death Eaters can just do whatever they want. Um, Harry is wanted for questioning about the death of Albus Dumbledore. Uh, yeah, I think I think probably. Just because it's relevant and timely, <laughs> I think. Um, how the one of the first tactics of the Death Eaters was to take over the media. Yeah. And just how like important that is. Because um, the, daily, as the like, daily Prophet's just been like a side thing that you, we've laughed at for six books. Right, but it really is like the 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 source of information for yeah. Most of the wizarding world, like it's, you don't hear about like competing newspapers or media platforms. Um, So like, you know, it's kind of that whole weird dystopian idea of like, you know, a dictatorship or some sort of evil regime taking over media and then just like fear mongering, right? Just like Mm -hmm. controlling people by fear Mm -hmm. and misinformation. And, uh, it's, I don't know. It's just interesting that like the JKR wrote that in. I think that's kind of, a nod to, 
I don't know. It's it's prescient. Yeah, it's. I don't have the words for it. I'm going to read a paragraph from page 208 while you think of the words for it. Okay. So they're talking about how much has changed in the ministry's policies. Um, Lupin says, Naturally, many people have deduced what has happened. There's been such a dramatic change in ministry policy in the last few days, and many are whispering that Voldemort must be behind it. However, that is the point. They whisper. They daren't confide in each other, not knowing whom to trust. They are scared to speak out in case their suspicions are true and their families are targeted. Yes, right. Voldemort is playing a very clever game. Declaring himself minister might have provoked open rebellion. Remaining masked has created confusion, uncertainty, and fear. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think that's... I know JKR didn't write this book in... this year <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh it's pretty relevant and i think it's kind of a it's almost like a commentary on government and media and power right mm-hmm. and so i don't know uh maybe if i'd have read this book as a kid I, you know i wouldn't have ever even considered that like tie to real life but I just felt, I don't know, that's what stuck out to me, is that, like, when evil takes over, that's the first place they go, is how, you know, how do you control, truly control people, and it's always by fear, Mm -hmm. and how do you instill fear? You, you lie, and then, and spread rumor, and misinformation, and he said, she said, and, like, I, I think you spread cancel culture right that we're talking about here like you like the idea that if you speak up or say something out of line like you you could be targeted yeah i mean fired. I, I think it's different i think being fired is one thing i mean lupin's saying literally targeted like by the gestapo right. like by the right. by the murder police right so yeah i mean it's not perfectly analogous but yeah i see what you're saying thank you thanks george me some water perfect um yeah it's apt for sure yeah there's something else i was gonna say oh like because you said you know it wasn't written now but i think that or i hope that for people that did read it like in middle school and high school like me it's just sort of like i've been mistrustful of the daily prophet since i read this you know what i mean and the daily prophet is an analog for you know mass media and so there's a certain amount of not necessarily not trusting anything, but, you know, check your sources and like try to read behind the bias of like what's being said. Yeah. Because everything has, yeah. everything has some bias, right? I mean, like Absolutely. no matter how accurate you're trying to be, like there's bias one way or another. Um, but there's a, there's a difference between like having some implicit bias and like actively trying to spread misinformation, which I would definitely say certain news networks have been doing. Over the last yeah. 10 years, I mean, I have strong thoughts on, you know, I don't know if your grandfather, like my grandfather, like in the last five years of his life was driven to, you know, madness by <laughs> certain cable news channels that are just like, are you pumping that stuff into you day in, day out. Like we've seen the effects of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, like we've discussed before, like, I don't think it's 
I don't even think it's one side of the aisle or the other, like in America at least. And I'm sure that's, I'm sure it's not just America that's affected by this, but like you, you know, when, like I, I think I was listening to a podcast about it the other day. Like there's six, I think there's six major news networks mm-hmm. in the U.S. That's it. And like when you think about those, even though there's probably only like three that people truly tune into like day in and day out. Right. And so like, that's an enormous amount of power Mm -hmm. that when you are the go-to like where people flip on their TV to know what's going on around them, like you control a certain portion of the way they think and the way they make decisions. Because you're affecting how they view what they think is a real representation of the world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I don't know. We're getting, you know, on a rabbit hole here, but I think that that's what I, it's pretty cool. I think that JKR kind of like writes that into a fictional story about magic right here about like, hey, this is what happens when yeah. when when evil takes over, this is where they'll go first yeah. to to sow fear and uncertainty and confusion into the public. And she was, and she was absolutely right. Yeah. And yeah. It, and it played out 10 years later. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So I agree with that. Yeah. And she just does, she does it succinctly. I mean, it's, you know, like you're saying, I can't quite put the words to it, like this mistrustfulness of the media and like the control by fear. And she, she sows that within you in a couple pages. She's like, gets you from, you weren't thinking about it all to now you feel exactly this way about it. Yeah. In without so many words. Do you mean when, when you say played out 10 years later, like you see how like misinformation is just rampant. Yeah. In today's culture. Yeah. Like when this came out yeah. in 2007 and then, I mean, like, I guess, you know, to put all my cards on the table, like in, after the 2016 election, no uh, administration has been as closely tied to one news network as the Trump administration and Fox News. Like, I mean, that's the whole thing is, I mean, that's the whole thing is like how much like Trump watches and watched Fox like on a daily basis and would just like tweet hundreds of times a day, like specific quotes and stuff like that from Fox. Um, and like that was, yeah. that was how he saw, I mean, and, and it, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like that was how he saw the world. And so he like continued to try to, you know, move in that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would agree that he's probably the most like outspokenly tied to a news network, but I don't know if I would agree that he's like in general, the most an administration that's been the most tied to a single network. I mean, like it's, it's pretty like black or white. If it's a Republican, it's Fox news. If it's a Democrat, it's CNN. So, well, it used to be MSNBC was what they would say was the opposite of Fox news 10 years ago when it was Obama. It was like, Oh, I'm not going to watch that liberal crap. Like, and then it's, you know, changed to CNN um, yeah, but I mean, Trump was yeah. like actively good friends with like the people that ran Fox News. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I mean, and maybe those stories were out there about Obama, and I just wasn't as politically engaged. I didn't know about it, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, maybe, and that's and you know, I'm not a political scientist. Like, I'm not certainly an expert. That's just kind of my yeah. interpretation of what I've been seeing going yeah. on. So anyway, um, so we've got all that stuff. The very next page, Lupin's like, oh, yeah, plus there, now there's a thing where you have to register if you're a muggle-born or not. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's not so much predictive as a very explicit callback. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's this is all very like <laughs> I don't know. The, I don't know how to describe it. JKR's writing in this chapter is very historical and political and is allegorical the right word? Yeah, I mean I think it gets to the point where it's not even like trying to be allegory. It's just like and then we did a Holocaust again. Like, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> let's not, yeah. let, we're not even mincing words about what this is. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the books keep getting darker. Yeah. <laughs> talk about, yeah. talk about darkness. Um, Which I guess I, in a weird way, appreciate, um, that she didn't just take the easy way out. And I think we've talked about this before in previous mm-hmm. books, but when you're writing a children's series, I mean, that's, that's what you're expected to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that like Harry will come out on top and it will end like a happy story somehow, but, okay. um, he's sure ladies and gents, he's sure Harry's going to come out on top. I'm okay. I'll rephrase. I'm sure that Voldemort doesn't win. You're sure. He maybe maybe he doesn't completely lose, but I, to me, there's no way this series ends where it's like, and then Voldemort cut Harry's throat. The end. Okay. I'm just in favor of you making strong, definitive statements. So. Yeah. All right. I gave you one. There yeah, you go. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, a couple other things that Lupin does specifically mention. I mean, there's a lot of Harry and Ron Hermione being like, he did what? Like, Voldemort said who? But we're kind of skipping over that stuff. Um, it's now mandatory to attend Hogwarts for every student. Had you ever considered the idea of wizard homeschooling before? You know, I hadn't. Um And is this saying, like, because I think I've asked about this before, if Hogwarts is, like, the only wizarding school for kids in, like, Europe, or not Europe, but Britain, right? Yeah, it is in Britain. Okay. Um, Which is kind of crazy, because Britain isn't necessarily small, right? I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, how far could somebody live away from Hogwarts and have to travel there? Like, I guess it's no different than, like, going to college across the country, but... Yeah, it's a boarding school. Yeah. So you just gotta get to London and get on the train. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I had not considered homeschool. I had not considered the idea of, like, maybe there being other subsidiary schools that... Mm -hmm. You know, like, maybe you can't get into Hogwarts, but you could go to this, like, junior college type thing. Go to Hogwarts Southeast. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Hogwarts Polytechnic. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to imagine, like, an IUPUI Hogwarts, like, Bobaton situation. Yeah. Like, Hogbaton. Hogbaton. (laughs) And that's, like, on, that's, like... Bobawarts. Yeah. (laughs) Bobawarts. Which is also a Star Wars character. I'm sure. Um but that kind of goes to the same thing as, you know, you, okay, let's step one, control the media. 
Step two, two you start controlling education. All right, this is what everyone is going to learn. It's mandatory to learn this and exactly this. And, like, just start taking a heavier hand and, like, more active approach yeah. to that stuff. And I think we – I think that's more commentary, right? Like, mm-hmm. start with the media, move to education. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's really interesting. Um, and then we get to the personal stuff. So what did you, I mean, I know I'm going a little more broad here for no, no particular reason, but, uh, Lupin, Lupin and Tonks are pregnant. That's fun, yeah, right? Just drop that little bomb on us. Yeah. And un- it's not happy. Unrelated Lupin wants to go have fun on a mission with Harry, Ron, Hermione. So I'm going to be honest. I listened to this, the end of this chapter, um, about an hour before we started recording, and mm-hmm. I was so confused by Harry's response to this. Okay. So you you thought what Lupin was offering was pretty reasonable. I didn't like it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't like it, and I saw Harry's initial point of like, hey, man, like, I think you should probably stay home and be a dad. Mm-hmm. But then, like, how aggressive and angry he got about it. Yeah. And, like, calling him a coward. Yeah. Which I guess... Full circle hindsight, like maybe Harry was just trying to like, this is the only way I could get him to actually do it. Yeah. And that's fine. But yeah, in the moment when it was happening, I was like, whoa, dude. Take it easy. I mean, Harry says after he leaves, I know I shouldn't have called him a coward. But he's acting like one. So you're right that Harry like realizes I mean, you know, they're in an argument. You say things you regret kind of thing. Like, yeah, you, you yeah. use hype. I guess hyperbole is, is more appropriate. Um, yeah. Because he, he's like, oh, look at me. I'm looping. I'm going to run around and have fun with James and his kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, where do you come down on, on Lupin's argument? He, I mean, Lupin says, I made a grave mistake in marrying Tonks. I did it against my judgment and I've regretted it very much ever since. Is that an argument that you can respect? No. Uh, no, just cause his whole, his whole argument is that like I, by marrying Tonks have made her an outcast because now she's going to have a werewolf baby. Right. Maybe that's kind of where he's coming from. But potentially she might have a werewolf baby because werewolves don't have kids a lot. Because who marries a werewolf? Right. But Tonks knew this about him, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that argument has no traction. Um, I think that's a... I think I do think that's a cowardice thing to say. I think Harry's justified in, in that comment. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand Lupin... His fear in it. And like I understand his concern. But... Like if you... Like you love Tonks... And you you wanted to marry Tonks, and you wanted to spend the rest of your life with Tonks, and so like I understand being concerned about bringing another werewolf into the world, but like I don't know, this gets on a we could get into a whole another like philosophical. Um, you have something to tell me? Just no, just like views on marriage and childbearing that like. We can save that for <laughs> taking responsibility for your actions, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
This probably isn't the medium for that kind of discussion. <laughs> Tune into Flabbergasted. A different, it's a yeah. different podcast. Um, yeah. Could Lupin be helpful on their journey? I Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it would be tempting. Like, I... I really thought Harry was going to tell him, like, you know what? Actually, I could, I could really use some protection. That'd be great. Um, and I can't tell, like, I, I couldn't tell if Harry's anger in this was driven so far over the top because of feeling like alone and like, no, man, like you, like it sucks growing up without a dad. So I think you should go home and be a dad to this werewolf baby. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. And so, I don't know, as we talk through this, maybe I'm less confused by Harry's response, but it seems like, you know, heat of the moment argument, both of them kind of handled things really poorly in terms of communicating their feelings. As men do, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because they're both they're both justified in their like fear and concern. Yeah, it's not yeah. like it's not like Lupin is lying about how he feels. Like he's making it clear. He's like, I'm scared about bringing a werewolf baby into the world. Right, and and Harry is correct in pointing out cowardice that like just because you're scared doesn't mean you walk out on them. Yeah. Um, I guess in the moment when I was listening to this, I wasn't viewing Lupin coming along with them as him walking out on them. Yeah. But I think when you step back and think about what Lupin would be signing on for, like he's more than likely going to, to die or put at least put his life in danger for sure. Yeah. And so I'm sure that's where Harry's coming from is like, no man, like I'm not going to invite you along to then basically write the next chapter of Tonks and your baby's life of her raising the baby alone. Like you need to go home. Yeah. I mean, it. I guess I've never seen it as like him purposely trying to die, but like he's definitely, he's purposely like finding something to do. Oh, what you guys are going to go do a thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll go do the thing. I'll, I'll go do whatever so that I'm not here. Yeah. And I don't think it's purposely trying to die. I think it's just like, that's implied in this kind of mission. Yeah. You have like to. We're going. If we're going to. Wide open. We're going to get to Voldemort, right? Like that's the goal here. Yeah. And at that point, like you don't know who's coming out of that alive. One does not simply get to Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, do I think Harry laid it on a little harsh in the moment? Yeah, but. Um, I don't know. You think through like what Harry's been through without a dad. I think you can you can see where he's coming from, where that emotion stems. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that he made his point particularly eloquently. Sure. Like he's, but he's seventeen, right? I mean, he's that's the only way he knows how to emote is yellingly. He's Harry <laughs> Potter. Yeah. So. I'm Harry Potter. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have Voldemort? I do. I have Voldemort all the time without a dad. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Do you have a scar on your forehead? 
Does it hurt real bad? It's like, frickin' Thoron! <laughs> God! You could be such a pumpkin head! <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, boy. Um, and then there's Rita Skeeter's article about her book about Dumbledore. Love to see a Rita Skeeter book about Dumbledore. Who doesn't? Love love to see Rita Skeeter publications, period. 10 out of 10. Glad, glad she's read. a journalist. Would yeah. read. Um, does she say what it's called? Her book? No, she doesn't. I know what it's called, but I'm not going to tell you. I want you to find out later. Um, so, like, it's just so interesting. Like... Chapter after chapter, got to get in a little. Harry being confused about Dumbledore's past. Yeah, like, let's not go a whole chapter without that. <laughs> I wonder what this is leading to. Like a time turner situation, a little bit of pensive action. Just keep waiting for the ghost of Dumbledore to show yes. up yes. and just like Dumble Ghost. Harry. Yeah. Ooh, Harry. <laughs> It's not true. I should have told you everything. <laughs> I can dunk. <laughs> My beard is fake. That's funny. I'm actually good friends with Julius Irving. <laughs> um, and then you get past that and you're not thinking about creature at all. You've forgotten about the locket, right? Yeah. Did they yep. did did she get you? She rope doped you successfully? She did. Yeah. She absolutely did. You're like, you, ah, get, a, you get a crack, a gym deal crack. And uh, yeah. Oh, hey Coop. What a good boy. Uh, um So, I'm just going to we'll just go for some yes or no questions here. Do do you know where the locket went after Mundungus had it? Uh, I think it was sold to um what's her name um what's her name describe her say the words about her she's very toad like uh huh um him, him. yes gosh dang it she's played by Imelda Staunton this is bad things at hogwarts are far worse than i'd feared yes i know who it, i know it's i'm blanking Bombarda Maxima. This is embarrassing. Cooper, you're distracting me. Um, Detention, Mr. Potter. Yeah. The him him was enough. I know exactly. I mean, it says in there that she was short, had a bow on top of her head, and was toad-like. I know. I, I know exactly who it is. The name is just, it's not there. It's fuzzy. It's like I'm trying to like, it's like underneath a scratch off on yeah. like a lottery ticket scratch and I can't it scratch it off. It's scratch it, scratch it. Just grab your copy of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix that you have at hand as, as one does. The I must not tell lies lady. Yes. I'm so sorry, Minerva, but it sounded as though you were questioning what I do in my classroom. Um, 
<laughs> this is good. This is the good stuff. This is what they tune in for. None of this is being cut. Are you Googling it? Toad like witch. Imelda Staunton. I'm going to freak out when I finally read this name. <laughs> Wait, are you... What are you doing on your phone? Googling it? Yeah. Okay. What are you typing in? We want to know the inquiry. I had typed in, I must not tell lies. Okay, that should work. And none of these pages say her name without me <laughs> clicking into so, them. It's so obvious what her name is. Dolores freaking Umbridge. <laughs> Kill <Yay>. me. <laughs> So Umbridge is back in business just when you thought you were out of thinking about Umbridge. She pulls you back I thought, in. I thought that she was like killed by the centaurs. No, in the, like the last chapter of that book, it talks about how she, because Ron is in the hospital wing with her and Ron starts making uh, like hoof noises like and she like, oh, what? Oh, that's the only thing that like gets her to react. And then she yeah. tries to leave the school, and the kids all chase her, like throwing stuff at her. Yeah, and I remember all that. I just, I guess what I was you getting wish at is that I kind she... of, I was hoping the centaurs would just finish her off. Yeah. But... So where where are we going with that? Are we gonna we're gonna see her? We're gonna go to her house? We're gonna burgle her? What I wouldn't give for this to be a, like a Harry Potter Ocean's Eleven chapter or like an Italian ah, job. It's just like yes. the heist. A Harry Potter Italian job. I like that idea yeah. a lot. Yeah. If we can get Mark Wahlberg in this story somehow, <laughs> you've got my attention. Yeah. Harry, Ron, and Hermione driving Mini Coopers like in <laughs> Umbridge's house and Ron is just smashing into every wall. Like, just whipping the steering wheel for no reason. <laughs> they have to get him, like, yeah. a bumper car instead. I love it. Yeah. This is great. So that'll be good. Is that is that what you think is going to happen? They're going to try to go steal it from her house? Yeah, I think they go find her, for sure. Describe Umbridge's house. Um, it's like, it's very cold. It's like a museum. And are you hearing that little like... Yeah, I was going to ask you if you had some weird feedback. Yeah. Just FYI, I haven't given this episode, obviously the last episode to Jeremy. He's going to lose it. <laughs> you moving your mic around going, mic sounds. Oh, Mike yeah. Sounds. Yeah, I was like, he's Braden's comfortable. I don't care. It'll be funny to see Jeremy's reaction. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really funny. Yeah, I need to come up with some kind of table idea here. Uh-oh. Do you I not haven't found my? Do you not have a boom? I do. Yeah, I just don't have like. There's no like obvious place to hook that onto, at least in here. Okay, I'm gonna mute you here in a second. See if that helps. Okay. Yeah, I think it's on your side because I don't hear it when I have you muted. Okay. It just started too. I know. 
wonder if it was my phone. Was it ringing? No. Huh. I don't know. I mean, my phone's always here. I mean, I just picked it up and set it a little farther away from me, and now it's gone. Well, maybe. Could be interference. Uh, so we've got a cold museum-like house um, full of, like, white, black and white cats. Yes. Okay. She sleeps in, like, a bed made for large American girl dolls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, she Like, you open her cabinets, and all of her, like, cups and plates are all the exact same color. Yeah. Like, everything is, like, this grayish, like, just this light gray. Yeah. Does she have, like, a closet that's full of just the same outfit? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like a cartoon character? Yep. Well, I'm excited to see that with you, to travel to that place. It'll be a special time. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get, because of my technical difficulties, actually, because of moving, uh, didn't get to have time to do any howls. Um, but we have a couple in the bank right now, and we'd love to get more. So please call in. Um, what What is it? 800 588 Two, three, hundred. Empire today. today. <laughs> no, do, do you know it though? Uh, 978 768 8370. 978 Potter Zero. Uh, howl on in. Let us know what you think about the allegorical nature of truth and fiction in media <laughs> or um, the plausibility of Dumbledore being an ABA star like pre three point line um, oh for sure yeah Dumbledore like he would have he's like he was a proto stretch five um, but but too skinny to bang in the post you know yeah uh, yeah, yeah just let us know what you're thinking about uh, if you could give us like a cast of the the British job or whatever I don't know what you'd call it the wizard job the Hogwarts job. Yeah. I mean, like, you would still cast Mark Wahlberg as Harry, but besides that, you can do whatever. Right. right. Yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> like, they just try to make Mark Wahlberg look like 18-year-old Harry. <laughs> he's got a scar. And he's just ripped. <laughs> Doesn't he wear, like, a weird hat in that movie? I'm picturing him uh, wearing, like, a British orphan boy hat. I don't think so. Maybe in parts, but not for most of it, I don't think. It's so who's now, who's yeah. Ron? Who plays Ron in the the Hogwarts job? Um, uh, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, uh, that couldn't have been better. I have I have no like <laughs> suggestions or additions. That's perfect. I looked up Italian job Mark Wahlberg, and most of the pictures are of him. Actively holding a basketball. There's a basketball. Oh yeah, scene? when they're planning, when aren't? Isn't it when they're planning the heist? He's like telling them the plan as he's shooting a basketball. I don't know. I've only seen this movie once. Okay, I might be mixing that up with another one, but I mean, he's definitely holding a basketball. So you're probably right. And then there's this other guy that I associate with. Um, Floating a lot with Donna from that '70s show, 
in like the later seasons of that 70s show. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the computer nerd from yeah. the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's the kind of content that you can make us talk about by howling in. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, start up a Discord, maybe a Reddit. Have we ever checked Reddit to see if we have a presence? You know, we haven't. We shouldn't, probably. <laughs> yeah, Reddit's a Reddit's an interesting place. There's a couple Reddits I follow, but they're pretty explicitly like, "How do I get the best deals on Nintendo Switch games?" And that has a pretty, pretty tame population. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty. Pretty specific place. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate you guys listening, subscribing, unsubscribing, resubscribing, rating us five stars, five stars. Really helps. Um, any words of wisdom to take us out with here, Braidface underscore 585? No, uh, we have no thanks. Thank you to who provided us content today. Rachel and George came in here twice. Uh, thank you to Hannah for helping paint this room white so it's not yellow. It's cream. It's okay. It looks it over the video uh, it just it, looks white. It doesn't it doesn't matter what you think it looks like, Rogie. It's cream. That's that's fine. It doesn't matter what I think it looks like. Thank you to Plumber that's gonna get back to Rogie and Rachel. Yeah. And get some water issues mm-hmm. fixed. We were there was a there's a plumber that we've used before who he's a guy from our church um so it's kind of a one-man operation we called him he was gonna come yesterday a tree fell on his house hey when that happened unfortunate yeah. to say the least yeah so it's rough stuff but uh we'll make it through thank you jeremy and jessica Do it again. I couldn't hear it. Bye.